1: episode of Tennis Bets on the Tennis Bets Twitter account, the Tennis Channel YouTube, Tennis.com Facebook. Mitch Michaels hosting the show. We're also on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Got our experts back in the building, Kenny Ducey, Zach Cohen. Guys, welcome back. Kenny, I know this is tough for you to take time out of your day rooting against Casper Rude, but welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, No, don't worry. I'm not taking any time out of my day. I will be actively rooting against Casper Rude, as this match goes on, as we're on the air, but uh, yeah, it's been a it, it's been a great day of tennis so far. And we only only had a handful of matches.
1: And Zico, welcome back! Uh, you know, we we kept it going last week in your absence, but you know, we're really excited to have you here. And you're on the other side of this. It's Sorundo, rude Zico, Ducey, Roman battle, uh, with Rude winning the first set. But we know there's a lot of tennis left to be played. These matches have just been going so long into the night in Rome. But how are you feeling about this match and? ultimately where we are with clay court tennis here
2: yeah so i have a rude ticket at plus 3500 so i'm really rooting for rude here i think kenny should be nice and just hope for me to win because that's a pretty good pad if i get it but you know what he has to do what he has to do uh i was hoping that i would see sinner at this point because sarundula scares me but uh it was a good first set and hopefully he can hold on
1: yeah a lot's been happening in this one we can kind of you know we'll obviously keep tabs and see where this match is at the point of us talking here, but I, I definitely think that this tournament and maybe in a nutshell, what what's been happening, but the Rome masters has been crazy, uh, upsets everywhere. And, uh, Kenny, I'll kind of start with this. Should we not be surprised by the fact that so many of these upsets have happened? These are expanded draws. There's a lot going on and it's not just a one-off, right? We saw Sabalenka on the women's side. lose. We saw Alcaraz go out. A lot of top seeds have gone out in this tournament specifically.
0: Yeah, I'm not too... I mean, look, it, it, there's been a lot of rain. The, clo- the clay is a lot slower. Players are trying to get adjusted to these conditions. And, you know, going back to the, the former, right, with the rain, you obviously have rain delays breaking up play, uh, you know, whether it's individual matches or guys have to play two matches in a day. Uh, so I think just in general, it's made for some pretty wacky results. I also think we always see this before Grand Slam, whether it's a small tournament like Winston-Salem before the U.S. Open at 250, um, you know, this isn't quite the same because this is a master's event, but for some of these guys like Novak Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz, you know, uh, while they would love to add another trophy to their mantle, while you saw how much the loss meant to Novak Djokovic today, he was very upset. Um, at the end of the day, you know, this is not a grand slam as much as it feels like it now with this expanded draw. But yeah, I mean, I, I think going from Madrid, which was just the quickest clay ever to this is certainly going to preser- produce some different results. You're going to have different guys winning matches this week. Uh, than last week, unless we're talking about, you know, the Stefano Tsitsipas of the world.
1: And Zico is our court, you know, expert conditions guy. You can comment on that too. But I, I think there's a lot to be said about that. It's on one hand, the top players, even the players that got results, it's not even a form thing. It's Sabalenka played well in Madrid, didn't necessarily need it, needed some rest in her case. But the flip side of that is some of the, not lesser players, but the players that need the result more, they're the ones that are in it to win it. You could find value if you just scout and figure out who those players are.
2: Yeah. And I think Kenny nails it on that too. It's almost like the end of the regular season for, you know, any other sport it's these ma- these matches just don't mean as much as you'd like them to for a top player. So yeah, you're not getting, maybe not, maybe I wouldn't say not maximum effort, but you're not getting the maximum focus.
1: Yeah, and in Djokovic's case too, and you can talk about a player of his regard, his caliber, he's been open right where he said, and he lost to Rune, so he actually went further than a lot of these other players, but, you know, Masters events aren't the name of the game for him. He's been open even before, you know, pre-COVID times, he lost to RBA in Miami, and he said that, look, I'm not, you know, gearing up for Masters, it's all about majors, so I think there's something to be said for that approach.
0: But- And I think that that's a, look, it's a trap we all fall into as well. Oh, this guy, you know, I I hate when people are like, he doesn't doesn't really care about this match. He doesn't want to win. Like, look, Novak Djokovic wants to go 60-0, and okay? He wants to win every match. Clearly, he doesn't want to lose to a 19-year-old kid. Uh, He wants to remain the greatest player of all time. But... at the the same time like there is a an energy reserve that he digs into during Roland Garros during the Grand Slams like it's just it's it's obvious right and that's why these younger players you know or up-and-comers are able to win matches at Masters 1000s I mean we you know how many times have we seen Novak Jokic lose uh you know at at Monte Carlo to random guys so um yeah I, I do think that there's certainly something to be said for that but like i I'm, you know we're not we're not saying Novak Djokovic didn't want to win today, but what we are saying is like if that's a five set match Roland Garros, I think Novak Djokovic wins that match.
1: Yeah, and and to be fair too, I mean if we're looking at just the three names on this screen and beyond, he lost to Holger Rune, who's the best, by <laughs> fa- far and away the best loss yeah. of anybody that's been bounced, and he made it all the way to the quarterfinals. Uh, we're gonna have a lot to say about the men's side. I do want to talk women for a, a second because you know you're looking at where we are French Open going in, and this is a good time to kind of. Just review where we are, and I know Zico, you had you had the uh, you know Sabalenka ticket at fourteen to one. That number has come down, but this is what we're looking at for the women going into today, as of what the RG odds are. I don't expect this to change too much based on what Ega does. Maybe if Rabakan wins, it'll come down a little bit, but minus one sixty Zico is just a prohibitive favorite to say the least. And Sablanka, despite winning in Madrid, still plus nine fifty is a pretty tasty number if you believe she can go all the way.
2: Yeah, it's getting almost harder to back Sviatek at that number. I I was all about it a couple months ago. I haven't seen the form that we've seen the last few years where she's looking like by far the best clay court player in the world. I think the people are catching up to her, and I think she's having a lot of trouble with you know power players that can serve. So I'm really looking forward to this matchup today. I think it'll tell us a lot heading into next week. I do have a play on Rabakina to win over seven and a half games herself. And I thought that number was really low for someone that's had success against Fiatek. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing
0: how that matchup goes.
1: So, Kenny, well, Rabak- I was going to say,
0: not- I'm going I'm to lose on uh, – I'll, I'll tell you on that, Zico, because I'm about <laughs> to lose on Sarundalo. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, God. I was going
1: to say, Rabakina has had success on clay, uh, notably beating Serena Williams in the last match. She ever played oh. it right this, and we know that it's Iga's surface. I almost feel like this is more of a mental test for Iga. Because her game matches up very well with Rabakina's on clay, but this is someone that's had her number the last couple of times. So I'm just interested to see how the approach differs from someone that she hasn't, quite frankly, owned like the rest of the tour.
0: Yeah, we know that head-to-head, it's not king in tennis, but I mean, it certainly does make a difference on the court, uh, which we'll get to later on in the show, because there there are some spicy head-to-heads uh, it, left in the draw. But yes, I mean, that, that is going to play a mental role against Fiatek, you know, especially with Rebakken and knowing Fiatek's tendencies, knowing how to combat the, the, the heavy topspin. So I, I do think that that's a very sharp play. And I do think there is always value in taking players that have not especially in a situation like this, a player like Rabacan not known for clay, the market is not going to uh, really respect your ability on this surface the same way it would respect your ability on a, a, you know, at at a hardcore master or hardcore 1000 level tournament. Uh, So yeah, I think that you always want to continue to buy low on players that you think are top five players. So I think Rabacan is definitely a top five player. You want to buy low on them improving on clay because that's, you know, unless you're Naomi Osaka, you're always going to be trying to improve on that surface.
1: I, (laughs) that's good. I I do think though that it's true. These futures, I don't want to do it. So, these futures, I almost feel like just don't even make them. Just if you have a beat on someone against EGA, just go for it there in that match. Because I don't, I would trust a one on one matchup versus having to run through the gantlet of the draw because I feel like these numbers are so skewed that you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. That said, tomorrow, now we don't know what the semifinals are officially until the EGA match is done. But I just want to throw this out there for you guys. If Iga does win, she plays Ostapenko, who's 3-0 against Iga head-to-head. Now, it's been a little bit. The last match they played was in Dubai. The last loss Iga had before she went on that incredible winning streak, the longest of the 21st century. Ran from all the way through French to through the loss in Wimbledon. Zico, if it is Ostapenko and Iga, any play in this one that you would like?
2: I don't know what the odds are going to look like, but it'd be worth sprinkling on Ostapenko. I had a friend of mine who was... Really high on Bedosa today, and I'm like, I don't think that's the right play just because, you know, in a sport where, you know, you you can doubt yourself so much, Astapenko just never has that. She, She sees the ball. She tries to hit a winner. She doesn't think. I mean, sometimes it doesn't go her way, but she's a really tough player to bet against and, you know, a good player to be on as an underdog.
0: The one thing I would say is that she's played a lot of tennis this week, three, three set matches, uh, you know, and, and these are grueling conditions. I mean, we're seeing it today with, with Sarundala on the men's side, uh, playing through these heavy courts, you know, as the clay court guy or as the court speed guy. It definitely does take a little bit of a toll. And I think, especially against a player as good as Sviatek is, it, it could certainly, you know, make a difference. But I agree with you. I mean, I think Ostapenko is another difficult match for Sviatek. It's going to be hard for her to run the gauntlet and, and win this one.
1: You could use a lot of different words, fearless, crazy, erratic, whatever you want to say. But the point is Astapanko's not gonna be intimidated out there and she's gonna go for it. It's gonna be good, it's gonna be bad. Love her as a as an underdog though. Just wanna put that in yeah, the right. Of
0: course. Hand. What one, one thing you can't say is she doesn't have twenty twenty vision. but That's about it.
1: <laughs> no, that's about it. The the challenge thing. And then the other semifinal, I can't believe this is actually gonna happen, but Kudumatova and Kalanina. Nico, any read on this one? Matova rebounding after some tough losses, losing to Schneider and the clay in Charleston, and now she's a favorite in the Rome semifinal? Quite a turn for her.
2: Yeah, I don't have a play on this match. I have a really tough time reading it. I was really looking at the numbers before. I think if I had to go with anything, I'd probably take the over. Because I just, yeah, I just think that both players are going to go out there and compete. I thought Kalanina's match against uh, Hadamaya was awesome and she really showed a lot of resolve.
1: Yeah. I mean, she grinds and that's why I think over is a good. I got to see what the number is. We'll check on that here. But Kenny, what do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, two, two, three, or two three set matches in a row. And I I thought she did look good in that win over Sophie Kennan, who was playing some pretty good tennis. I just think Kudamatova sustained the level for longer. uh, So, it's a little easier to trust her form, but yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think this can go either way. I think an over is probably a very strong play here with both women playing uh, three-set matches two out of the last three times. Uh, and uh shout out to uh, what did ASAP Ferg say one time? I got to close my, close my window before I record. Cause New York city don't know how to be quiet. Of course. I mean, <laughs> my windows re- are closed.
1: Reoccurring thing. The over in this is only 21 and a half, which I say only, I guess I was expecting a little more. Um, but yeah, we're you're, you're coming in full sirens ablazing for this one Mitch Michaels, Kenny Ducey, Zico. Let's talk a little bit about the men's side here and uh, start with Rome. We're going to get to the French Open stuff too, but this is the last real stop on the road to Roland Garros. And uh, I want to give a shout out to what might have been one of the greater upsets, at least in this century. And that was the Hungarian qualifier, Fabian Marocan, uh shocking Carlos Alcaraz. I went and looked at the odds and it still pales in comparison to number one Soderling Nadal, 2009 French Open. That was... Is comical, but this was uh, a shocking result. And we know Alcaraz, we can say the excuses for you know, tired and not at his best. But Zico, this kid came out, played well, wins the last six points of the match, and uh, really was a stunner in all senses of the word.
2: Yeah, and the implied probability on that match was Alcaraz winning like 99.5%. So, just <laughs> to show you how big of an upset it was. It's amazing, but yeah, it's the type of thing where we talk about best-of-three versus best-of-five. Do either yeah. of you have any doubt in your mind that if that was a best-of-five match, that Alcaraz no. comes no, back one hundred percent. No, no yeah. but the,
1: the other thing, too, with this, and and Aww. Kenny, I'll talk to you because, like we said, all these players want to win. He played the way that we've been talking about you have to play to even give yourself a chance. Played fearless and actually had capable use of the drop shot. I think that might have been lost throughout all the the talk with the Struff match and some of Alcaraz's struggles, but if you can drop shot Carlos Alcaraz, you at least give yourself a chance.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it definitely is a, a taste of his own medicine, right? Because usually Alcaraz is the one on the front foot, pushing you way back behind the baseline. That's why the drop shot so effective. But as we've seen with Yannick center, who really, to me is like the only guy. And we haven't seen Nick curios face off against Carlos Alcaraz. But to me, you know, those are the only guys. If you, if you have a guy that's going to blast the ball, through the court against Alcaraz and not allow him to to be the uh, the offensive player. I mean that's how that's how, why he's so good, right? The return of serve clay is insane. He gets himself into the offensive position. He gets on top of the rally almost immediately. So if you're just gonna be fearless, as you said, crack the ball, uh, you know, d- d- either side of the court, like you're going to be able to compete at least with Carlos Alcaraz. And he's just not used to players, you know, stepping up and doing that. And I think a lot of times when players try to do that, that's when you see them become more erratic, make more errors. But I, I do think ultimately like, you know, this, this is a kid that has a lot of talent. Hungary may be a tennis powerhouse now with him in, in the aging Marton Fucevic. But I, you know, look, I, I mean, he could play like, yeah. you know, the, these were, these were no fluke results, even against Borna Chorich. I thought he looked better than I thought. I thought Chorich would roll him in two sets after, a, you know, in a letdown spot from erosion. And, and he looked, uh, he looked apart. So I, I look, I mean, is this kid going to be a top 20 player? I don't, I'm not going to say that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's capable of, of beating, you know, beating the, certainly the, the bottom half of the top hundred, you know, on any given day. And I, he's talented, you know, we'll see what happens with him.
1: I mean, you could get plus odds on him up to pretty much the very end. And that might be the lesson in all this is like, if you got a chance and you really do think Alcrest could lose, cause it doesn't happen much. Find the value in it, and there's plenty of it. Um, the, the other players I want to talk about, and we're going to get to some of the heavy hitters throughout this show, but how about somebody that's been making a move? Daniil Medvedev on clay this year. He's 7-2 and two in 2023, just 500 for his career. But Zico, something has changed, and I know the last match was Zverev, and he's kind of had his number recently, and there's a lot of history there, but he is a significantly different player on the surface this year, despite what he says and how he says it
2: yeah and I, I was telling you right before this I just do not understand how he's going off at plus at plus 2500 to win the French Open like I don't think the best players on clay right now have that much of advantage over Medvedev right now and I also think that Roland Garros is going to be almost better for him in a way I think it really favors a defensive player like him so I do think he has a pretty good shot at winning that tournament I think that that's a really good value so
1: so Kenny, and before I toss you brings up a good point that Zico says, we just talked about the three versus five set thing. That's not the issue at all here. Like you Medvedev in big time major matches, he's as sure as just about anyone.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. Like I, I do think Medvedev's going to eat Yannick confidence lunch. I think, you know, Daniel Medvedev is a fantastic value to win Roland Garros. I think he's improved dramatically on clay. He's learned how to hit his top, his forehand with a little more top spin. Uh, really both of his shots get a little more spin on the surface uh, as opposed to just playing stubbornly. Like it's a hard court, but like, I still think he's got a little ways to go. I still think the movement's not quite there. Like he, like I was watching that match yesterday against where he really wasn't sliding at all. Like he right. still tries to dig into the clay as if it's a hard court. So I'm not quite sure he's like a nat, you know, uh, he's never going to be a natural clay quarter, but I'm not sure he's really fully adjusted quite yet to playing on the surface. It still seems like he's a little stubborn and stubbornness is the name of the game. What the medvedev is the, I think he's the most stubborn, maybe one of the most stubborn people in the world. To be frank, uh, he has so much faith in in his ability to play tennis. Uh, that's what makes him so great. His his ego, you know, but uh, that also leads him to lose because I don't think he makes adjustments a lot. I think that, you know, like I said on on this surface, especially he's he's definitely learned how to play on it more, but he's still got a little work to do. With that said though, I mean, yeah, I think we I, I have no problem saying he's a top five player on Clay. No problem saying that right now. I really believe that. I think he's yeah. he's gonna be just I mean, I, he he's going to win this tournament in my in my eyes. If it's not if it if Sitsi Pass doesn't look uh incredible against Borna George which is Holder. certainly it's certainly something that I yeah, you know, I could see happening. I could see George kind of pushing him and sitsipass hasn't looked like the, the most crisp this year, which we'll get to, but um, I think Medvedev could win this tournament, but yeah, so I, I think he's, I think he's definitely in my top four favorites to win Roland Garros.
1: Well, I don't know that I, I, I got to put Holger in the mix for this tournament too. <laughs> but I don't want to downplay it, sure. but the big thing with the big thing with, uh, Medvedev in this regard is that I, we'll see what the draw looks like. We'll see where he's at not to win. I agree with you. They're not in that contender necessarily to win the whole thing, but to maybe win a quarter to maybe win a section, depending on what happens, there could be some value there. All right, now joining us, certainly not last and, and certainly not least, but Pamela Maldonado is here on the show. Uh, we were just talking about Daniil Medvedev, so uh, we got a little dirty talking about him. But Pam, welcome back to Tennis Beth.
3: That's right up my alley. I'm super excited for him. I think he's playing well. He doesn't hate. He doesn't hate clay right now.
1: <laughs> so no, he doesn't. And we were we were discussing this in, in greater detail. We we touched on it a little bit a little bit, but the timing is perfect. Uh, how do you review Djokovic's form in Rome? Gets to the quarterfinals, plays some heavy sets of tennis, loses the whole Garuna who we're going to touch on in a second. But you came on the show. You made your debut coming in on fire, saying Djokovic is the greatest. So I want to hear the expert's analysis of Djokovic in
3: Rome. He is still the greatest. Let's start there first. (laughs) But, I mean, he's coming into this with a lot less reps than a majority of the players on tour right now by at least, like, a dozen matches. So if you saw in his last couple of matches, he's kind of winded. And, yeah, he's trying to get back into a rhythm of things. And going up against Holger Runa was probably the worst matchup that he could have because Runa, they kind of have very similar playing styles right now very solid from the baseline the drop shot when they know it's just you're kind of looking at a mirror effect here and runa is just like the better he's younger <laughs> and he just came into this with a lot of fight, fighting power and yeah i mean jokovic maybe his elbow was still kind of a thing he was wearing those two sleeves today and maybe he's trying to cover up something underneath but we don't know um i would say still in a best of five It's probably going the distance, but I'm not convinced that he is the strongest candidate to win the French Open right now. But if if we're talking about like the grand scheme of things, it's still Djokovic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and, and we're going to give credit a lot in Holger's case because when he beat him in Paris indoor at the end of that third set, he was on fumes. It looked like he couldn't go if it went four. It would have been completely over. That said, Holger being firmly in the mix here, Zico, I want you to touch on something here. On clay, the hardest thing in any surface is to be able to finish points and to get out of rallies. This kid, for all his personality that takes the spotlight, his game is there, and I think this was a testament to how he played in that third set. Some brilliant tennis by the Danish kid.
2: Yeah, and I also think there is something to his mentality. We, we just spoke about Astapenko; like he doesn't get on the court with Novak Djokovic and think he's going to lose. And that's you know half the battle when you're playing somebody that great is thinking you can do it he's you know as tough as nails I know he's a little bit of a head case but it's in a good way almost like Djokovic so I do think that that helps him a lot and there just are no holes in his game so yeah that's why I think his future is so bright and I yeah the future is now for him as well
1: so so yeah Kenny and Pam I do want to bring this up because this is going to be a topic point we're going to look at the actual odds too but would you put him at number three right now going into Roland Garros why or why not
0: no you put Djokovic at number three or Runa oh, at number no, three? Runa at number three. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would say. Uh, I, I would probably still honestly. I would say Medvedev has a better chance to win than Runa, but it's very close. I would say that they're. Uh, I would say that. I would say that they're three and four with Sitsipas. I mean T four. I mean, like to be honest, those are my five. I don't really know what the order looks like for three, four, five right now because I'll, I don't want to overreact too much to Rome. Yeah. And I, I think that we had the, uh, you know, we had the the tendency to overreact to the Madrid results. What I will say about Novak Djokovic, he is 35 years old. The thing that came to mind today is he is just a little old. He's just a little old. I, I know, I, you know, I'm, he's only what, probably five years older than me. I'm not calling him old in general, but the elbow, the hamstring, the, I mean, you want to talk about last year all the injuries. You, I mean, you go back to Australia. Remember the Enzo Quaco match when he lost the second set? Like these. These things just continue to happen, and I know that, like, you look at the last four years when Novak Djokovic has won a slam, it's never been really clean. Like, it's never been just, like, a dominant performance like we're used to seeing with, like, you know, I don't know, the feds and the dolls, but it, it's certainly, like, there's always something going on with him, so I'm, I'm going to hesitate before I say that Novak Djokovic isn't going to win Roland Garros, because really, when you think about it, his mindset as a as a champion he knows Rafa may not be in the draw or may not be 100%. He knows that he hasn't won a lot of Roland Garros. This is a good opportunity for him. So I could see him just going all out here, maybe one last titch effort to win one more grand, uh, one more Roland Garros, but like oh, at yeah. the end of the day, it just it does feel like the injuries just continue to mount with him and I don't know what's going on with his body right now, but uh there's a lot of younger fresher guys out there and you know even the Stefanos Tsitsipas who took the first two sets off him in the Roland Garros finals a couple of years ago. Like, if they meet in the quarterfinals, if they meet in the semifinals, do you feel like Novak Djokovic is going to come through that convincingly or come through that in five sets? Like, I don't know. I think Tsitsipas,
3: yes. <laughs> who has the worst mentality in tennis, yes. Against Holgeruna, less inclined to say yes. No. <laughs> I mean,
0: yesterday, is, he was, yesterday, he was, yesterday he was facing the Italian crowd. He was facing Lorenzo Musetti down a break in both sets. Oh, he came good. back and won both sets pretty easily. There, there is no not not Djokovic, but...
1: Yeah, there is something to say about the fact that as Djokovic ages, it could be like Federer where Wimbledon is where he just locks it down and plays mm-hmm. his best court tennis, best point, tennis Pam. there. Uh, Pam, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Runa thing because it was interesting because Nadal's having a press conference tomorrow. doesn't look like it's going to be a good announcement. I don't think so. You so, have Alcaraz and Djokovic. That third spot is up for grabs, and that's why I poised the question of who would you favor in that or who would you wager on as your number three.
3: Uh, Casper rude. He seems like he's coming back oh. in full cool form. He's, I mean, he is, he's been, yeah. he has the most experience out of any of the guys right now in major events where it matters in a semifinal and a final can Holger Runa do well. Absolutely. But we've also seen his body break down as a tournament gets deeper as a match goes into a fourth and fifth set. He's not a hundred percent with his body. So we've, I, I mean, he's yeah. kind of like up in the air for his ability there. Um, but let's see. I mean, Sits a bus. I would put Rude probably. I mean, I'm sorry. I would put uh, Runa probably like top six, but definitely not okay.
1: top three. Well, well, I, well, what can he respond? Because, oh no, I was just gonna Kasper say, I mean, I, I subject, think
0: right? I, I, I I, do <laughs> think that Casper is has improved on this, uh, just his form has improved in general. Like he looks much better now than he did two months ago, or especially at the start of the season. Uh, but I, I still think that, especially with Medvedev improving on Clay, his backhand is still like. So loopy, the net clearance. Uh, they showed the numbers today on the centi- – I mean, I- his net clearance was 12 centimeters higher than Francisco Cerundolo. And when that ball is going to sit up for some of the players on tour, like Stefano Tsitsipas and Carlos Alcaraz with just these ridiculous forehands, giving giving them time to run around, giving them time to get back on top of rallies, hit winners. I-, I-, I'm like, I-, I know that his forehand is devastating. I know he went deep here last year, but I, I was talking to Mitch about this earlier today because he wanted to know why I didn't like – Dwight uh, uh, didn't like Kasper or why, like why I wasn't a big believer in him? I do think that if you look at his Roland Garros run last year, he did beat Holger Rune. But as you mentioned, Pam, like the, the stamina questions were very much there with Holger Rune last year. Remember he was cramping all. I mean, it really wasn't until Paris when we were like, Oh wow, this guy can actually like play a full week of tennis, not die. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, play these three set matches to beat these players. Yeah. Like it sort of happened out of nowhere, which I don't really know what happened there, but now all of a sudden he doesn't cramp. Anyway, anyway, with that said, uh, yes, I, I think that his run was a little sketchy, and I think his U.S. Open one was a little sketchy as well. He beat Corrington Moutet in the fourth round. The Karen Hatchinoff win was nice, but I, I know being there at that match, I, I didn't feel like I thought Hatchinoff could have played a much better match. So look, I, you know, is he a top ten player? Yeah, uh, he is. But I, I think that when you go to Roland Garros, and I think the draw is going to be a lot tougher for him this year. That's my biggest point. I think it's going to like if, if he runs into a Poss in his quarter or even a Medvedev or an Alcaraz, or a Djokovic, he's not one of those matches. So those, there, there's a lot of guys in his way, in my opinion. So I'm going to pump the brakes before I put him in my top five likeliest players. He's improved, but I still think he's tailored his game, frankly, too much for hard courts, because he was known as a clay court guy, got made fun of for being a clay court guy, what did he do? He added pop on the serve. He, he really tried to get better on hard courts, and that took away from his ability to play well on clay. Yeah. He completely changed who he was. Which is why I, think- I also
3: put him kind of in conjunction with Yannick Sinner. They're kind yeah. of like the same player
0: in that regard. Where they're, both- they're I, That's a very good point because I yeah. can't believe, Pam, that three years ago we were sitting here and Yannick Sinner was playing Rafa in Rome, and, you know, I'm sitting here. I think most other people were like, oh, this is – Clay's his best surface, right? He grew up on clay uh, first, is going to be a great spot for him. Match.
1: That French Open, Nadal rolled to another title. Sinner right. was the only one that it gave is, him like a competitive
0: that, Yeah. yeah. To, to give him a run, we like, yeah. yeah. He was the we only like, oh, player. He's, he's a, he can play on clay. And then now all of a sudden, yeah. you see him almost beat Djokovic, Wimbledon, yeah. the U.S. Open. Oh, this do clay think, is not his surface.
1: I do think for Casper Rude and just to put a bow on him, he's open that he messed up his off-season. He went and played exhibitions with Rafa. He said he would not Rafa do that did. again. So, yeah, he
3: didn't have an off-season. <laughs> so
1: if you look at these odds now, the next three after after these recent results, Hogar is that number four, soon to be three if Rafa does pull out. Mm-hmm. Rude is number seven, which would be six on this list, but there's a significant drop-off with Yannick Sinner. So something to consider as we look to see if there is no Rafa, Alcaraz and Joker on different sides. Pam, I know you're someone that targets who can win quarters, who can win sections. Draw is going to be huge for a lot of our predictions going forward.
3: Yep. You absolutely uh, – typically – I like to money grab a line early, so like Carlos Alcaraz, I tweeted him back in March to take him to win the French, and it was plus two twenty five. Now he, I got laughed at, and now he's plus one twenty five favorite. So thank you. But yeah. uh, a lot of times you can do a money grab, but that's only when you know that a line is going to move. For right now. I don't care if like Novak goes from like 150 to 125. That's not an interest for, for me. Like I need to see a draw at this point, just because we've yeah. seen so much variance between all of these players. Where Casper wasn't having a good season, and now he's rounding into form. Where Sitsipus is maybe gaining a little bit confidence, unless he plays Carlos. Where I mean, you kind of like have all of these if if and thens happening. So like this is probably the most important draw that we're ever going to have.
0: Oh. I think, and I Mevidev think the draw, well. yeah. yeah, I go ahead. Did, did you want to change the subject here, Mitch? Because I, Oh, no, I mean, I was, I, I was, we, I was down to just talk about
1: we, we recapped it well with Medvedev right before you got on that the draw is huge for him. Like if he has a, a draw for sure, looked for him to do damage. I, uh, the last thing I would just say is that we can all pretty much agree that there's no real concern with all the tennis that Alcaraz has played in some of these players. He got the loss early. He's going to be okay. He's going to mm. rest up we'll just see what happens there i do want to oh. kenny i want to get into some of these picks though because we still got some action in rome and you know for you guys zico and kenny going head-to-head on the roots surrender d- debate that zico won in his case we've got some I won agreement the last
0: one, so <laughs> i don't even know what our head-to-head is zico but i don't know, know.
2: what was the last was it like altmeyer i had the chore.
0: <laughs> yep i had the chore yeah. spread over altmeyer <laughs> sure.
1: And Pam, you're also on Chorich to cover the spread too. So this is some real unity here in this matchup tomorrow. Sitsipas and Borna Chorich, who he defeated to win the Cincinnati Masters last year. So could be some, uh, we're in this together or it's going to be a bad day for every one of us.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I love him to win outright. um, Just because, I mean, I probably will, but I'm just more conservative. I'll take the plus uh, plus games any day. But I mean, if you look at Chorich and his history, he kind of crushes and dominates or at least is very competitive against one-handed players and one-handed backhanded players. And Stefanos, it's like, he's, like I said, he's just, he has the worst mentality in the game. As soon as he starts to like flunder, oh, everything kind of like falls and tumble weeds down and he just can't do it. So, I mean, I think he's just coming into this. It's one of those things where George is just playing great tennis right now. Mm -hmm. He is such a backboard. He has the counterpunch ability. Stefanos Tsitsipas, his backhand is like the weakest part of his game. It's not very strong. It's uh, It's not aggressive. It's not a, it's not an offensive play. He's just putting it back into play, and George has the ability to attack that. Yeah. And I just, I love George in this spot
2: as an underdog.
1: Right, and as Zico, you were saying, right? He looks like a twelve-year-old when he was fully shaven. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> no, I had the same thing down. Though. I mean, George's backhand has also been unbelievable. So if they get into any backhand to backhand exchanges, like that's where he's going to really do some damage. And, yeah, the mentality is just such a big difference. I mean, Sitsipas has had trouble in this specific matchup with his mentality. And I do think that Chorich is such a strong player in that regard. And, yeah, I just think as you know, Sitsipas might have the more dangerous weapons in terms of the serve and the and the forehand. But, like, there are no real weaknesses for Chorich. And I think that Chorich will go after that back end.
1: A lot of, a lot of tennis played by Sitsipas yesterday, too, in the wee hours of the night, early morning. There you 20s. go,
3: the back-to-back matches. I forgot about that.
1: Kenny, yeah, and this no. is one where you and this is another one I want to get to that you and Pam agree on too in different different ways how we're going to do this. But you got Mavidev in straight sets, as you said, eating Yannick Hampton's lunch. Shout out to Yannick though, getting into the top hundred. Absolutely. Out, out forehanding Andre Rublev. I don't think people realize how hard that is to do in a match. You had more winners than him on the forehand side, but you think it ends here, and Klayvidev just keeps on rolling. Klay-Videv.
0: Yeah. I mean, you don't, you, you don't, you, you, you can't hit through Medvedev, especially on a surface this slow. Like you just, can't, I mean, Rublev is a completely different, I mean, frankly, Alcaraz is a completely different uh, matchup for him. Right. I mean, that's just two guys just trying to hit the, hit the snot out of the ball and uh, Hanfman just so sharp, but I mean, I don't think you're going to be able to hit through Medvedev in this spot. I think he's a much better returner right now than Rublev is. And, and I, I think he's going to get him into those long exchanges and I think he's going to win a lot of points. So, uh, I, I think Hanfin's been able to hold serve incredibly well because obviously he's, he hits the ball incredibly hard. He has a, has a big power game, but, and, and obviously mm-hmm. loves playing on clay, but I certainly don't know if he's quite ready to step up to Daniel Medvedev. I much rather would take the plus money on George winning a set against Stefano Sitsipots, which is my okay. pick. I, I I'm, I'm throwing the game spread into the garbage can. I'm just going to take the plus okay. money on him to win a set. Cause I do think, Given the history, they will. I will say they they only played one time on clay. It, it was a retirement. Pass was up four one. You yeah. mentioned the mentality, like we talked about head to head earlier. I think it's going to be a big factor. The torch uh-huh. two hander doing damage, but yeah, I mean, I I think um, I I think Sitsipas is not serving quite as well as he could be. I think that's the biggest thing. I think Zico talked about his serve being a weapon. It absolutely is. Was not that impressed with his serve yesterday against Musetti. Was not impressed with his ability to return serve quite that much, but. You know, I, I, do think, uh, I do think Torch is a slightly better server than Mussetti yeah. is. So I think if he falls behind like he did yesterday in both sets, yeah. uh, he's going to drop one of them. So, uh, you know, I, like I said, I think, uh, I think this is a, a, a different matchup for Hanfman, and I think it's a different matchup for Sitsipas as well. So I think that's why there's value in taking the other side. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: careful with the sirens there as well. Just wanna, you know, they're coming you No know, it's back. so
0: funny. I didn't even hear them cuz it ha- it's so it happens Bro. all the time. I don't even I'm numb to it. The the one that happened earlier was like right next to my window, so Second Avenue baby.
1: Yeah, that's just I mean, you just got to be careful there. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh and and Pam, if we look at the uh if you look at the other, you know, way to do this, you look at your reaction to how this is going to go. Kenny likes the spread set. You The spread, excuse me, you're going to go minus four in the games. Why that way? If we're both kind of looking at the same way, why do you go game spread over set spread here?
3: I mean, I'm just not, uh, because I'm just so used to seeing players, especially on clay, where there's a lot of break and break back opportunities. All it takes is like one missed tie break. I'd just rather take the game spread because I have more trust that if this does go a third set, then Medvedev is just going to like turn on the gas and he's like, Oh, I got it now. I figured it out. Um, and that's what it just, it's time. It's never that they're misplaying or they're playing incorrectly. Or they're playing poorly. It's just, it takes time for them to yeah. adjust to this. But I do believe that Medvedev he's playing some just really right. good clay tennis right now. It ha- this has been the first season that I can remember that we haven't seen all of these GIF and videos and clips of like, I hate the surface. We haven't seen antics. We haven't seen crazy. I just,
0: I Pam, you follow me on Twitter. I just posted well, yesterday. He was so freaking out about there, the. Uh, he was yelling at the crowd. Is, it's so is, rare there. though. But there we we, we, we usually
3: have like an entire montage. We have one clip the entire season. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah
1: there is. Oh, no, antics, there's there's but, been some great. But he is yeah. harnessing it a little better, and he's digging in, and you know, it's like the. I don't even want to bring this up because they're remaking their, the awful decision to remake. White men can't jump terrible <laughs> decision. But the fact is that Mavidem is actually locking in and playing a little better. It seems like when he's getting into these antic moments. So yes, there are antics, but it's not as Pam said, throwing him off to the, where he just can't win a game, which had
2: happened yeah, in the it's past.
3: It's like a one and done what? situation. He moves on, but this, the way the, the court speed is playing right now, it's favoring the better baseliner and no better baseliner exists right now despite djokovic still being in the mix but it's medvedev medvedev is a better he's a better returner he's better from the baseline and just like how y'all mentioned earlier you're not going to get through him and we he's already proven that a serve is not going to get through him so hunkman i don't believe that he has the tactic to
0: get through I, I agree the one thing i'm worried about with the game spread is just i mean you're you're basically asking medvedev to break hunkman three times so I don't know. I mean, that's that Honfman does have a very gigantic serve. I mean, he, he probably does it. He probably wins six, two, six, two. We both win, but that's why if, if Mitch, if you were asking earlier why I like the set spread over the game spread, I think Medvedev figures out a way to win both sets. I think probably one of them might go to a tie break with the way Honkman's been serving. Maybe the first set's pretty close, but as we know, uh, as Pam said, you know, what he's done from the baseline has been exceptional this week. So I, I, I have no, I, I have no fear that he's going to drop a set here to Hoffman.
1: Are we, uh, or should we expect, kind of as a, as a bow on all this, should we expect more fireworks in another chapter of Holger Runa and Casper Rude? I think there'll be some screaming in the locker room, allegedly.
0: No, because I think Runa is going to absolutely destroy him. So I don't think there's oh, going to be much oh screaming from oh, Kasper. Okay. I mean, Casper was complaining a lot today about the towels. And I don't know if we w- want to get into that, but the towels have been a huge issue this week. Apparently, Francis Tiafo is complaining about but new towels. They're not absorbent enough. Casper carried, like, seven to his bench. uh no bad so, bad I don't bad know, maybe, maybe, bad maybe, bad maybe bad Casper you, will start more than from, a few, too. Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe one of them will, will blow their top because of the towels, we'll say. I'm, I'm loving this
1: new, like, let's just get mad about one random thing that doesn't have to do with tennis every week, like cake, a towel. Maybe next week it could just be, like, an apron Everyone's or
0: becoming more like Nick Kyrgios. Remember last year, I, I, that was my favorite moment of Wimbledon last year when Kyrgios played Tsitsipas you know you want to talk about the whole dramatics the fireworks that was spectacular but after he was up two sets to one he, they, they, they i was watching the and it's like where are the towels where are the bananas where are they where are they like it was just like amazing <laughs> he always finds some reason to yell that's
1: good you've been working on that australian accent i feel
0: like he's been saving that
3: <laughs> he was holding that in his pocket there for a while he
2: served the bull
1: that's <laughs> Uh, Any final thoughts before we go? Any best bets for this week beyond looking to Roland Garros? Zico, start with you. Anything else you want to get off your chest?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm probably going to start hedging here with the rude play. I mean, I don't don't know what the odds are going to be like, but hopefully they're somewhat close. Has anybody seen a line on that match yet? I
1: haven't. I looked. I was was checking. I haven't seen. I would imagine close-ish, but Holger's coming in with a lot of juice, as good as Casper's played recently. So
0: I think Holger's going to be the favorite in that match, if I have to guess. Yeah, I would think it's going to be more of a pick.
1: Uh, Pamela, anything else you want to uh, go as we get ready for the final lead up, the literal final days before RG starts?
3: Um, I'm I'm sure you all touched up on this, um, but I mean, I am kind of getting really down and out here thinking about uh, Nadal and what the situation is. Um, I feel like it's got to be the injury has got to be a lot more severe than everyone thought. I just have a feeling that maybe he's gonna announce that he's not gonna play the French Open, but he will play the U.S. and with hopes of, with the hopes or with like already a already solidified decision of Roland Garros 2024. That's it, and then I'm done, and that depresses the hell out of me.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's sad.
1: You got the you got the Olympics in Paris too next year, which mm-hmm. we'll see. There There's don't want to speculate on when the end might be. I do think he one last push, whatever you want to say, but there, there wouldn't be a press conference for just good news or like he's starting a podcast or something. So.
3: <laughs>
0: he's uh, joining the t- no. team. I mean, I think the best case scenario for a Rafa fan or sorry, the, the Rafa fans would be, uh, would be if he says, Hey, this is, well, actually that's not a best case scenario, but I was thinking maybe he'll say, Hey, this is my last role in Garros, which to be honest last year, I mean, I thought he should have retired after last year. I thought it was very abundantly clear that his body was giving him a lot of issues. And mm-hmm. that he should he should just left on top of the sport. I thought it was going to happen. It didn't. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, his run of dominance, I, it does feel is over on, at Roland Garros. Like, I, I think it's very obvious that if he plays the tournament again, he's not going to win it. Like, with, with the way that all, of these, all of these players are playing, the amount of uh, obstacles in his way. What I do want to say, because this is the end of the show – is I uh, wanted to just briefly mention one thing about the future market for Roland Garros. I know you probably, I think you put that off limits, but I, I just wanted to oh, add something yeah. like the draw for me. I do love to wait until the draw comes out to bet. You know, like last year, I think at Roland Garros, Stefano Tsitsipas had an incredible draw. Immediately yeah. bet him following the draw, and the, and the number went way down. Um, so I think there's that's there certainly is value. But guys like Daniil Medvedev at plus thirty one hundred, Taylor Fritz, who I continue we'll talk about at plus eleven thousand. Felix at plus 9,500, those yeah. are guys that regardless of the draw, their number's not going to move. I don't think the draw is really going di- to unless they're, you know, in the Alcaraz section, but even so, like, you're not betting on those guys, you know, to, I to, you're yeah. yeah. So I, I think that th- those are just unfair prices and the number obviously is going to come down as they win a few matches at the tournament. So I, I, I like those, but um, I also think like if Taylor Fritz manages to have the most amazing draw, his number will come down and, and same thing with the Medvedev. So I like getting ahead of the draw there, but I also think they're the reactionary bets with the draw probably more, work better for, you know, a Holger Runa or a Stefanos Tsitsipas where it's like, okay, well I already knew he was a contender. I didn't see much value in the number, but maybe I see some now.
1: Well, no shortage of uh, storylines heading into Roland Garros, 2023, some good, some bad, some just flat out weird. Uh, Thanks again to all the guests on this show. Kenny Ducey, Pamela Maldonado, Zach Cohen. We're back next week when uh, we can discuss. We can take a breath a little bit. Get ready for the tennis draws of RG. And remember to find us on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network as well. Thanks, everybody, for coming on. And uh, it was a pleasure talking tennis with you, finding some common ground here. But we'll, uh, we'll see you next week.